and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is a poet and community organizer, and here they are to introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Tara Boren. Um, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm joining you from the traditional territory of the Trondike Wichin in Dawson City, Yukon. In June, the Commissioner of Yukon and the BC and Yukon Book Prizes were excited to announce that Tara is the winner of the 2022 Borealis Prize, the Commissioner of Yukon Award for Literary Contribution. Tara is the author of the poetry collection, The Pit, and a board member with Yukon Words and more. The jurors of the Borealis Prize had this to say about selecting Tara as the winner of the Borealis Prize. Tara has made significant contributions to Yukon's culture. They are a hardworking, talented writer and community builder whose dedication to language and expression in all forms has helped the territory's literary culture become more engaging, relevant, and reflective of all Yukoners. As Yukon literary culture continues to evolve, we wish to honor Tara Boren's contributions as a creator and collaborator in support of amplifying essential, diverse, and compelling voices and stories. In my conversation with Tara, we talk about what it means to be part of the writing community and what that means to their writing. And of course, we talk about the pit, the collection, and the place. Tara starts our conversation with a reading from The Pit. The poems I'm going to read for you now are from my debut collection, The Pit, which came out with Nightwood Editions in 2021. Portrait of the Retired Barmaid. Canucks game turned up on the clock radio, rye and coke in a mason jar next to the pond's cold cream. She leans closer to the bathroom mirror to line her thin lips coral. Hooks a pair of sterling butterflies, crystal accents flashing, into her soft earlobes, knots a red silk scarf at her throat. She leans back, takes a drag from the cigarette, seething smoke in the ashtray by the sink, and pats her grain salon-set curls. Snaps off the radio, her team about to lose, blows kisses to her cockatiel, crest bobbing in his cage, to the photos of her grandbabies crowding the walls. She slips into her old bomber jacket with the bar's faded pink logo on the back. One last look in the mirror. Still got it, sugar. Best damn barmaid this town will ever see. Flood. Customers bring me bits of rumor like floatsome, even as the water surges in. Ice is jammed downstream and the dike ain't gonna hold. Grayling silver between tables that shift and bob. The regulars order Budweiser's, shots of fireball, shuffle their feet in the silted river come indoors. The old tube TV mounted to the wall flickers soft with the Canucks game. 
Downed trees rush along the drowned street, knock at the front of the building. Cards are dealt. An RCMP cruiser swirls by in the eddy as someone scores a 21 hand in crib. Onlookers, mildly impressed. Neighboring buildings lift from their cribbing and jostle against each other like drunks commiserating in the street. Everything afloat. The elders at the back table agree in hushed hawn. They've seen all this before. They wade over to the birch bark canoe suspended from the ceiling over the bar, gentle it down, and paddle away through the open front door. Cribbage and Chill We set up the crib board between us, your thigh next to mine at the bar. I win the cut with a six to your nine, shuffle and deal from the bottom. My fingers flick a half-dozen cards each. You slip a pair into my crib, then cut the deck, a johnny for two. I get a head start. We're on a run, pegging off each other. Fifteen-two, twenty for two, twenty-five for six, thirty-one for two. You count your cards slow, keep me waiting, a triple run, and my hand's worth nineteen. You pull away. I'm stuck chasing behind. Stump me, baby. I lose to you any time. Romance Capital Ravens circle a red pickup truck. Lift the edge of the blue tarp that covers a stiffening carcass. Moose antlers spread like hands in supplication full of mineral sky. In the bar, a man sets down his beer, wipes his mouth with the back of his hand, and lifts his voice to tell the gathered how he called that bull right off the mountain, how it took three shots through the neck to drop him. Hands cup his mouth, shoulders hunch forward, he utters a low, urging sound. It brims with moose-cow lust, and then another and another sets down their beer to offer up their voices until the whole bar groans in a chorus of rut. Outside, the blue tarp shudders. Palmate antlers lift. Sky spills over. Ravens scatter. Talons clatter on roof tin as Moose clamors over the side into the dirt street. His throat drips gore like a boutonniere, like a bow tie, and he has to turn his head sideways and duck to enter the bar, a nervous suitor ready for the promised mate. Thank you. And now, do you know the super secret uh, skill testing question of this season? No. Okay, get ready. Okay. If you could read one book or watch one TV show for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Mm. TV show right now, I'm going to say Our Flag Means Death. It's my new comfort watch. Just gay pirates all the time. Yeah. Book is harder, though. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would have to be a book of Poetry, I think. 
I don't know how to answer that one. <laughs> you can just do you don't have to do I'm just gonna you stick could with just do the TV, TV show. <laughs> yes. I mean it is kind of poetry in its own way, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um I really want there to be a season two so bad. It's happening. It's being filmed right now. I need it now though. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the I I realized as I was prepping to chat with you that I've had you on you're the only repeat guest of the podcast. Um, That's right. I think you were on the very first season. And uh but this time I get to uh interview you because you're the winner of the Borealis Prize. Now, how did you how did you feel when you found out you were the winner of the of this year's Borealis Prize? I really felt so honored because this prize, the nominations come from within the community and the judges are within my community. Um, and so it was just such a huge honor to be recognized that way, really. Um, and and I think humbled too a little bit, just um, yeah, just to have been selected when there are so many amazing um, organizers and and word artists here in the territory um, to, to have been chosen among them was pretty special. Have you been able to do something to celebrate winning? Because I know we had planned to do it all in person and then you and I both ended up with COVID. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, when I found out initially, because initially the prize was going to be given out at the Dawson Daily News Print and Publishing Festival here in Dawson City. And that's when I got COVID and you did too. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, my parents were here visiting. And so um, we ended up getting just um, some takeout. We got Chinese food and um, had a little celebration here with some cake, um, which was pretty special. And then on the um, day of the gala, my uh, co-workers took me out for lunch to celebrate and brought me flowers and like a little <laughs> blue ribbon award. So um, yeah, it was really nice just to just to spend time with with those folks in celebrating. That's great. Yeah. So this is the third year of the prize. And it's it's been interesting to kind of watch it evolve from Patty and Leonard winning in the first year and Joanna last year and then yourself this year. And mm -hmm. What does what does the prize mean for the community, especially as it continues to grow and and we're get, able to give out more prize money? And so it really feels like it's gaining momentum. Yeah, I think that uh, folks in the Yukon community really appreciate the recognition. And there have been people sort of organizing for the community for many years in different forms. And so it's just so great to see some recognition being brought there. Um, and also, you know, in terms of the book prizes, um, they have always had Yukon as a part of the of the mandate and everything. But because we're such a small uh, population of writers, um, maybe just one or two books a year coming out from Yukon authors, it's it's a nice way to to recognize and involve a Yukoner every year in these prizes and to really bring forward that Yukon connection a little bit more. Yeah, so that's sort of my my take on on what it means to the community. Yeah. And and the writing community is is a big part of what you do. You're involved in Yukon Words and um with the book prizes as well. What does writing community mean to you and how has it played a role in your writing? Yeah, I mean, writing is such a solitary act um, and connecting with community, I think it helps 
my sanity for one. <laughs> um, I know um, like Joanna Lilly um, was one of the first Yukon writers that I connected with because at the time she was the sort of the contact person for a group called Yukon Writers Collective Inc., which is sort of an earlier iteration of Yukon words, I guess, although it was never a formal society that could hold funds. Yeah. And so I remember just wanting to get back into my writing and connect with other writers. And so reaching out to Joanna and from there, just, you know, our friendship grew and, and she's a great connector of community. And so um, through her, I met lots of other writers. Yeah. So for me, it just, um, it's just, it's great to have friends along the path, you know, to bounce ideas off of, um, to pull events together too, um, because presenting our work is a part of it. Yeah, that's what it means to me. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about Yukon Words? I I've t- I remember talking to Joanna, like, again, this might have been in the first season of the podcast when Yukon Words was kind of first getting going. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what's happened since uh, the beginning and and what's in the works? Yeah, definitely. It's really exciting. Um, We've really uh, picked up steam in the last year. Um, We've gotten some funding from the Yukon Government Arts Fund, as well as Lotteries Yukon um, and the League of Canadian Poets, all towards um, organizing public readings, workshops, and a mini festival, uh, which we are furiously planning for the last weekend of November. So that's coming up really quickly. So yeah, it's just been great. I mean, the first few years of starting a nonprofit, uh, there's a lot of administrative and sort of like, you know, policy work to be done. So it's really exciting now that we're we are holding funds. We've got some we've got some staff uh, coordinators helping us um, just to see it moving forward like that and growing. It's really exciting. And it's been so well received, too, I think. Yeah, Yukon, there's, uh, you know, there's organizations within the Yukon to support visual arts um, and musicians, um, but there's never been, there's never been one that could hold funds for for writers and word artists. So uh, it's it, the communities, the feedback that I've received so far is really excited to see that happening. Something that I'm so inspired by with Yukon Words is that it's, I love that it's word artists, like that was always something that I was like, I think we need we all need to be thinking about like in literary groups and literary community how we expand beyond just like words in books and words on pages because I think uh, you know writing and storytelling takes on many forms and we don't often recognize those in in writing groups and organizations. Yeah, definitely. We wanted to we wanted to make sure that we were that was something we put a lot of thought into. It was really intentional. We wanted to make sure that we were casting as wide a net as we could and gathering up all different kinds of word artists, storytellers and, you know, uh, spoken word, uh, poetry, even, you know, we're, we're bringing some graphic novel workshops uh, for youth um, to the festival and also one in Pharaoh, Yukon coming up. So, yeah, we just wanted to be really inclusive of anyone telling stories in any kind of way, songwriters too, even. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to talk to you about the pit because um, Mm -hmm. you're a community organizer, but you are also a poet and you wrote a wonderful collection. And so I think when, again, when we talked the first time, we probably talked about the pit, but it was before it came out. And so can you talk a little bit about the collection and what it, what it, what it's meant for you as a poet and a writer to have that in your repertoire and have that behind you? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, so the pit is like a very old bar and hotel here in Dawson City, where I've worked off and on for many years and also hung out there. And I always wanted to write about it because the building itself is such a character and it's full of all of these very strong characters. And I always wanted to write about it. I I thought it would be more um, like interviewing people and sort of collecting stories that way. But being a poet it just sort of came out as poems instead and I just sort of went with it and um yeah so so that collection it's the first sort of collection of that length that I've written um and so that was a really big milestone for me just having a first book is such a milestone I feel like it opened a lot of doors for me and in terms of you know, being a writer professionally and having that first book really helped me to take my writing more seriously, I think, and um, to think of it as as something that other people want to read and, you know, that there's value in sharing it. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what The Pit is for those who don't know about it? They could also probably listen to past episodes, but that's not as yeah. <laughs> Um, do you mean the, the physical yes, place? Yes, what the physical place is. Yeah, okay. So it's this bar and hotel in Dawson City. Um, its real name is the Westminster Hotel, um, but everyone calls it the Pit. Um, and there's various theories on where that name originates from. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what we all call it. It's a dive bar. Although recently, one of the former owners of the bar berated me for referring to it as a dive bar. But I'm sorry, Duncan, it is a dive. And that's why we love it. (laughs) Um, So it's this very old building that parts of it date back to the early 1900s. Um, I believe it first operated as a hotel around 1904. Yeah, so there's two bars downstairs and then rooms upstairs. They're, you know, shared bathroom down the hall. It's It's a real flop. It's a bed and a little table. That's about it. And the floors are very wonky because we're on permafrost and everything is shifting all the time. And it's it's the community watering hole, really. Um, and so you can meet all kinds of people there, um, all kinds of Yukoners, visitors. Yeah, lots of great live music. And it's also the people there are a real community to one another. Um, and so it's funny like so the two bars we refer to as the tavern or the lounge the tavern you know people will come in there for you know if you need like I need some help moving a couch and like for sure there's going to be three people in there that want a couple beers in exchange for moving your couch or you know people go there to find work Um, not at the bar but you know maybe out at a mine that's pretty common Um, yeah I've definitely working there I've had guys show up be like I drive truck. I'm a heavy equipment operator and I'm looking for a mining job and I was told to come here. And, <laughs> and so it's a, it's a place where connections are made and, and yeah, it's a, it's very weird and quirky and special. It seems like I can see why like maybe dive bar doesn't do the place justice. Cause it mm-hmm. seems like employment office, yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably uh people don't want to admit it but maybe some childcare happens yeah uh, you know like it's probably like a, a a recreation complex slash 
government services substitute? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we've had um, we've had vaccine clinics set up there in the past, like public health will set up there in the afternoon to do a, a flu shot clinic. The hotel rooms now are being rented as artist studios uh, and office space. But in the past, there were a lot of long term tenants um, just living there. Um, so it's, you know, it's a residence as well. It's a, it's an interesting place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned the office because people do refer to the bar as the office sometimes <laughs> too. Yeah. <laughs> so you write about the pit, but like the building and the place, but it's also like through the characters, you explore topics like addiction and, and so what were some of the big challenges you faced with like kind of covering so much in I mean, poetry is so much and so little, which is what it's, mm. it's magic that way. But yeah. how did you embrace that challenge? Mm. Um, I mean, I tried to, I had definitely some things that I wanted to hit, some things that I wanted to write about, especially my own experience with being a, an intimate partner of people struggling with addiction. I think that that is a common experience that is not talked about. And so it was really important for me to include that and also because that is my experience throughout the book you know I do write about experiences outside of my own but I really yeah I definitely I wanted to include my own experience and in the hope that you know other people would perhaps other people in that situation would feel less alone because it is a really lonely place to be yeah and so how did I juggle all those things? I think I, I mean, I had a sort of just a list of poems I wanted to write. And I, and I was always kind of looking at uh, having a balance throughout the book in terms of voices and tone and like the emotional quality of things. I didn't want it to be too heavy, even though, you know, it's some very heavy topics, but there is also, you know, that great sense of community and care, even though, it's often among people who are struggling. Um, just the fact that they're there for one another is something that I wanted to capture as well. Yeah, and just always approaching the topic with like love and respect and because as difficult it is as it is to be a partner of someone struggling with addiction, um, you know, through my experiences, I also came to understand that addiction is a is a mental health issue and it just like so many others and people struggling with that should be treated with empathy and compassion so I wanted to make sure that that was in there as well yeah what did you learn about yourself as a as a writer working on this collection mm. I learned that I'm very brief which I suspected but then I really learned it with this book um it's I mean the poems are all quite short the book itself is on the short side for a poetry collection but I learned that I am really like a get in there say what you got to say and get out kind of writer I know a lot of writers uh overwrite and cut back in revision but I think for me my challenge as a writer is filling it out and um going a little deeper maybe and then I guess, I mean, another thing that I've, I'm constantly learning is that my own writing practice is always shifting and changing whenever I think I've got it nailed down, 
to a regular routine. It changes. Um, a lot of that has to do with having young kids. So I've had to learn to be sort of a really patient and flexible writer as well. Yeah. Yeah. What's inspiring the work you're doing now, both as a community organizer and as a writer? Um, I think what inspires me right now is just getting stories out there, whether they're my own stories or other people's, creating um, places for people to share their work, platforming writers and giving them that experience, um, especially here in the territory that they may not get so often. Yeah, we don't, I mean, um, before Words Out Loud, there hasn't been a regular reading series here in quite some time. Although, no, that's not true. The public library has a, brings readers up um, through their Indigenous book club. They just had Cassandra Blanchard um, touring through the territory. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, what inspires me is getting getting stories out there, especially especially those voices that are not heard as often. Um, whether that's Yukoners, rural Yukoners, you know, folks from marginalized communities. The Right now I'm working on a novel and it is um, set during the gold rush, but all of the characters are queer. Like all the main characters are queer. Um, there is not a lot of history uh, written down right now pointing to queer people during the Klondike gold rush. And so I'm just sort of imagining it. But yeah, it's that same sort of drive to tell a story that hasn't been heard before. I'm also working on my way back to poetry because I have not written much of that since the pit came out. And I think with all of my focus on a longer narrative, like on the novel, I've sort of forgotten a little bit how to construct a poem. But I just started um, a poetry course with Jamie McCarty at SFU Online. And uh, I'm, yeah, it's exciting just to be playing around a bit more with language and, and working on some poems again. So um, I'm excited to come back to that uh, this winter as well. That was Tara Boren. Their book, The Pit, was published by Nightwood Editions in 2021. Tara is the winner of the 2022 Borealis Prize, the Commissioner of Yukon Award for Literary Contribution. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also, of course, find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, I talked to Susan McClellan, who co-wrote The Boy from Buchenwald with Robbie Wiseman. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast. <laughs>